Hey, good morning, Victory. How you doing? Come on. Good morning. How you doing? Brian tried to get y'all going, but it didn't succeed, so we'll just keep on trying this today. Uh, my name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us, as Zoe said, uh, thank you for coming. Thank you for being here during our summer season. Uh, two services we launched this year. Y'all excited about that? We just had first service go out, second service come in. We're getting ready for all the big things that are going to happen uh, as we come back in for the fall. But again, if you're visiting, thank you for coming. We really would love for you to fill out one of those connection cards so that we can connect with you. Uh, a couple announcements before we get into the Word. First of all, I always like to take a moment and thank you, every person that gives financially through tithes and offerings every month to Victory. Uh, I always like to take a moment and kind of share what God's doing through that. And we had a really cool opportunity this past Tuesday that I wanted to highlight for a moment. You have heard me mention before about our partnership with Men of Valor. Men of Valor is kind of a transition ministry for men who get, get out of prison. And it's kind of a discipleship ministry. They can, it's a 12-month-long program, and there's all kinds of different uh, steps and levels to it. It's a really powerful ministry. It's like six minutes from our church. And so we just knew when we moved here that God wanted us to partner with them. We had a couple of people already involved in ministry opportunities and mentoring. And so this was our first time to really connect with them. And so on Tuesday night, there was a, a big graduation. And so, uh, like I said, it's a 12-month process. So they they, 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 the big highlight are the men who are graduating 12 months. They're graduating the full program, but they highlight men that have been there nine months, six months, and three months. And it's just an incredible atmosphere. And so because of your finances, we were able to go in and serve a nice meal to them to celebrate. We had volunteers show up. The worship team led worship. I got the opportunity to preach. And we just got to love on these men and congratulate them as they're growing in the Lord. Crazy testimonies. We've got some that we'll share over the next couple of weeks of what God's doing in that ministry. But we would not have been able to do that if it wasn't for those of you every month that support Victory financially. So I just wanted to say thank you. If you're looking for a way to start doing that, start tithing, start offering, as the video said, uh, you can do it online. You can do it as you walk out the doors today. But I, I mentioned last week in our message about church that we're able to do more and more ministry as more and more people begin to trust God with their finances. And so we're just excited about what God's going to do the rest of this year. Second announcement, um, we are in the, in the break session of small groups. So we have a spring session and a fall session of groups. And we're very big on connection here. And groups is one of those ways. And so we wanted to provide you something during the summer. Those of you that are not traveling and you're here and you're looking for a way to connect, maybe you're new to Victory over the past couple of weeks or months, you're looking for ways to connect, we are going to do a midweek class in the month of July. So every Thursday night in July, that's four Thursday nights in July from 6.30 to 8, we'll meet here on campus. And we're going to be in a series called Patterns where we're talking about how we need to change the patterns of our life to be able to see some of the victories that God's promised us. And so on those Thursday nights, what we're going to do is we're going to dive deeper into what we preached on Sunday. So I only get about 35 minutes with you on Sunday, so we're going to take those details and allow them uh, time to be very practical to your actual life. So you don't want to miss it, 6.30 to 8. You can register for the class so that we know you're coming. But here's the cool thing. This is the first summer class that we're uh, of, of making available that has child care. Isn't that awesome? That has child care. So if you have children and you're wanting to come, but you haven't been able to before, you can this time. But here's the catch. Child care is limited. So I need you to register ASAP. If you're wanting to come and you've got children, you need to register quickly so that it doesn't get filled up and you miss out on it. Cool? Everybody cool with that? Hope to see you at those classes. All right, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans. As you're turning there, we are in a series right now called Following Jesus, 
where we've been talking about what it looks like to practically have a one-on-one discipleship relationship with Jesus in your life day-to-day, Monday through Sunday, not just on Sunday. And so we've talked about things like how to spend time with Jesus, how to read your Bible. Uh, we talked about the Holy Spirit. We talked about water baptism. We talked about the church. We talked, Darla talked about the recipe. We talked about all kinds of things. We have two more uh, messages after this week. But today I want to talk about something that is so practical and so essential to our lives when we're following Jesus, but I think often we overlook it. And so I'm going to introduce it to us in Romans chapter 10, and then we'll, we'll kind of break off and talk more about it there. Romans chapter 10, we're going to start reading at verse 10. Hope you guys are there. You can follow along with the app or your phone. Uh, if you got your scripture, Romans chapter 10, verse 10 says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So right there, Paul is just reminding the church in Rome that, you know, you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, and that's how we find salvation in Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. In other words, it doesn't matter who you are or where you've come from, you can be saved through the name of Jesus Christ. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone, everybody say everyone, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not everyone who's perfect, not everyone who acts right. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's it. How then, here's the part I want to talk about. How then, Paul says, can they call on the one they have not believed in? How, How can they call on one they haven't believed in? And then watch this. And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? If they, if they can't call on somebody because they don't believe in them, they can't believe in them because they haven't heard about them. And he goes on to say, and how can they hear unless somebody's talking about him? How can they believe if they haven't heard? How can they hear unless somebody's talking about him? And how can anyone talk about him unless they're sent? How can anybody talk about him unless they're encouraged and told how to go and talk about him? And then the Apostle Paul quotes Isaiah And he says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Do me a favor real quick. Everybody say good news. I want you, before we get into any more information, I want you to understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. It's not bad news. It's not tough news. It's not condemning news. It's good news. It's healing news. And so we should always understand that when we start talking about telling people about the news because it's not, again, condemning news or bad news or unfortunate news. It is good news. So the title of today's message is this, how to share your faith. How do we do it? How how do we share our faith? Sharing our faith is essential to us following Jesus. If you're following Jesus, you're following him because he's changed your life. And it's important for us. Scripture says it. Jesus has said it. And I'm telling you it now. It's important for us to tell people about Christ. Uh, Probably a couple years ago, we were still physically located in Smyrna, and Kyle came to me, Zenobia's husband, and he said, I'm going to go to Lee Victory Park, and I'm going to just walk around and see if I can share the gospel and pray for anybody. Do you want to come? And I thought, well, I'm a pastor, so I probably should, right? That's just kind of naturally. And so I said, no, no, I'd love to. That sounds great. And so you need to understand, I'm not naturally uh, an extrovert. I know you think because of what I do for a living, I must be extroverted. I'm, I'm actually more introverted than extroverted. I leave here and I go sit on the couch and by myself. Like, this is kind of how I recover from Sundays. 
Um, but once the ball gets rolling, I love to have a good time. So if it's a bunch of people and, and, the, and the ice is broken, I'm ready. But I'm not the kind of person that just likes to talk to strangers all the time. And so we go to the park, and, and there's a bunch of people there, and, and Kyle's kind of, I'm like, all right, what do we do? And, and so Kyle's like, come on. And so we're kind of going one by one to people. And I don't know if you know this about our culture today, but if you walk up to a complete stranger, and they don't know what you're there for, they don't know what you're talking about or what you want to ask them, they don't normally greet you with an exciting, you know, approach, right? They're not excited to see you because they don't know why you're wanting to talk to them. They don't know if you're asking for money. They don't know if you need a favor from them. So you get approached with kind of like a, you know, as if you were like a snake and they're trying to like, I don't know what you want. And so it's always awkward at first. And then every time we broke the ice, and, and Kyle normally broke the ice, and, and I was kind of that tag-along where Kyle break the ice, and then I'd step in, right? I'd be like, let me do it now that you've done the hard part, you know? Um, but, but it was so much fun because every person we talked to outside of, like, one guy who was on one of those Bluetooth phones, so we, that was real awkward. We thought he was talking to us, but he wasn't. Um, but, but everybody else was so receptive of it because... All we were basically saying is, hey, we just wondered if we could pray for you. We just wondered if we could, you know, if you have any needs, can we pray for? And so there was a really cool connection because it was a very positive thing. And I tell you that story because I just, thinking back on it and often revisiting those thoughts, I just think it's funny how intimidating it was when all we were doing was going out to give good news. All we were was going out to potentially pray for somebody, but it was intimidating. I think for many of us, the idea of simply sharing our faith is intimidating, right? The idea of telling our coworkers or our family or our friends about our relationship with Jesus and encouraging them to, to you know, maybe want to know more about Jesus or to follow Jesus can be intimidating. But here's what you need to understand. Jesus never intended for the Great Commission to be this impossible burden. Please understand that. Jesus never expected you to... to, to Take the Great Commission, the idea of sharing your faith, and it become this heavy burden. God meant for you and I to be witnesses of Jesus Christ through the natural outcome of living for him. So let me tell you what I mean by that. Jesus meant that you and I could go through living life, right, being, being changed by, by the, the presence and the Holy Spirit of Jesus, right, being able to change by relationship with Jesus, that we would just go through life, but we would be different, and then the people around us would see that difference, and they would say, why are you different? And then when they asked you, why are you different, you wouldn't respond with, well, I'm just a really cool person. You would respond with, it's Jesus. It's just Jesus. And then they would want to know that Jesus. That's kind of how the whole thing was intended. It wasn't meant to be a burden. I want you guys to understand that you and I are a connecting link between people and God. It's important for you to understand that. In the Bible, Jesus constantly would touch, heal, minister to people. And if you took every one of those interactions, 85% of those interactions, somebody brought Jesus to that person or they brought that person to Jesus. Revealing that God likes to use us to connect him to other people. That's the way God likes to move. I don't know why. God could have sent like this angelic being down from heaven, right, with lightning bolts, and that's how they could have learned about Jesus, but he chose instead to operate through us. So when it comes to your family, when it comes to your friends, when it comes to your coworkers, you are that connecting link between them and God. I want us to start seeing it like this. 
God has given us the great privilege, not the burden, the great privilege to share the good news of Jesus Christ with all of those that we come in contact with. If you get an opportunity to share it with your waiter, do it. I'm going to share a story in a couple weeks about some interaction that Darla and I had with some waiters over this past week. But if that's an opportunity, great. But let's just talk about your family members and your friends and the people that you are often with on a weekly basis that God has made those relationships so that you can be the connecting link to him. And since you and I have received the love and grace of Jesus, hopefully you have. If you haven't, you'll have the opportunity to do so today. Since you and I have received the love and grace of Jesus, we get to live a life that's free and full of hope, right? That that, that is the automatic reaction to us following Jesus. So therefore, with this new life we have been given, how could we not extend that hope to the others around us? The hope that we've been given freely, how could we not turn around and extend it to others. The most selfish thing that you and I could do after receiving the grace of Jesus is to not turn around and share it with others, right? We didn't earn the grace of Jesus. We don't deserve the grace of Jesus. That's why it is the grace of Jesus. And so as we are receiving the grace of Jesus, we should want to turn around and show that same and share that same grace with them. So I'm going to give you two steps, two pretty practical steps today on how to share your faith, because I think we should be doing it um, these, these steps are interchangeable. It doesn't matter which one you do first. You can do them simultaneously, however it works out best for you. But I'm just going to give them to you separately. And then you can, if you're taking notes, take notes. You can do it on your phone. There are notes on the app if you want them, but you just don't feel like moving your hand with a pen. But there's the kind of stuff that when you leave today, you want to you have with you so that you can use it to encourage you when it's an opportunity for you to share your faith. Step one is this. It starts with your story starts with our story. Our, our, you've heard it this way in a church world, our testimony, right? It's our testimony. But, but sometimes that word testimony feels a little too spiritual, feels a little too religious, like, like it has to be fine-tuned and designed well. It's really just your story. It's really just, you know, how, what is God doing in your life? How did you find God? What happened? How did God find you? How did he change you? Why are you going to church? Why are you following Jesus? It's just your story. It's like when somebody walks up to you and says, tell me your story. And you got this whole story of where you were born and how you ended up in Nashville or whatever. It's just your story. It starts with your story. I think it's one of the most powerful aspects of faith sharing is just your story. Second Corinthians chapter five, Paul's now writing to the church in Corinth. And in verse 17, watch what he says. He says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, New creation has come. The old is gone. The new has come. Now, we just celebrated this yesterday, or yesterday, last Sunday, as we baptized eight people. We celebrated that the old was gone and the new is here. But watch what Paul says. He he states that, but then he says, all of this, the fact that the old you is gone and the new you has come, all of this is from God. It's not from you and your behavior. It's from God. Who? reconciled us to himself through Christ, right? That's what he did. That's what the gospel is, that God reconciled. We were separated from God, and God snatched us up and pulled us back over to him through Jesus. He reconciled us to himself through Jesus. But then watch what else Paul says. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It's so powerful, 
Not only did Jesus reconcile us to God, but then we were gifted, privileged with the ministry of reconciliation. Listen, the next time somebody's talking to you and they tell you that they are called to ministry, tell them everybody's called to ministry. Okay? Everybody's called to ministry. You might not get paid to do it, but everybody is called to the ministry of reconciliation. And then Paul gives us what this is. Well, what is the ministry of reconciliation? It's that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. I love that. And he's therefore committed to us the message of reconciliation. When you wake up every morning, I encourage you in your prayer time to pray, God, give me the opportunity to operate in my ministry today. Give me the opportunity to, to share the ministry of reconciliation because I think the ministry of reconciliation is the greatest ministry. It's the greatest message. Now understand this. You and I cannot open someone's heart up to the truth of God. We don't have that ability. If, if you persuade somebody to follow God, that's not a good thing, okay? We don't, we don't have the ability to open people's hearts to the truth of God. Only God can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can move inside of them and cause their heart to be open to God. But, as I said earlier, God loves to partner with us to open someone's heart. God loves to use our mouth and our story, but it's his power, okay? So it's our natural and his supernatural that moves in somebody's heart and makes their heart open and want to know God. When, when some, I was talking to a couple people after the first service, and, and there was a couple that, that are, are from Egypt, and they were visiting, and he was talking about the emotion on him. And I, it was so funny. I didn't say this to him, but I was just thinking, that's the power of God. Like, like, God used my mouth to say natural words, but it was God's power that moved on his heart. Y'all understand that, right? Like, there ain't nothing special up here. Y'all are like, yeah, bro, we know, right? Um, but it's just natural, natural what I, words, but it's the power of God that's opening up a heart. And so when we partner with God, when we step out in obedience and faith and we tell somebody our story, God is using us, the natural in us, and attaching his super. And when his super gets attached to our natural, it starts moving in that person's heart and something wants to change. It's not because of us, but God used us. Amen? Now here's what you got to understand. You are not responsible for results. That's important. Because if you think that you are responsible for results, then if you don't see it happening or working the way you think it should work, you'll stop doing it. I, I think a lot of us could probably say there's been moments where we tried and attempted to share our faith, and it didn't quite go the way we thought it was going to go, and it discouraged us, and that's why we don't do it anymore. But, but it's not our, the result is not our responsibility. You are successful. You are obedient the moment you just tell somebody about Jesus. It's never been and it never will be your responsibility if they choose to actually follow Jesus. That's between them and God. I'll prove it to you. In Scripture, it says that one man plants the seed, one man waters the seed, but God makes it grow. Here's what that means. That when you were talking to that person about Jesus and you shared something and they gave you a real discouraging response, that might have been you planting the seed, right? So if you notice when you normally plant a seed and you pack it up, you're not going to see much. You don't know what's going on, but that might have been you planting the seed. And then six years from now, somebody's going to come along and invite them to a church, and then someone's going to water 
that seed. But eventually, it may be another three years, maybe another six years, God is the one that's going to open up the heart of that person and that growth start to come out. God's responsible for the results. And I don't know about you, but that makes me sharing my faith a lot easier. You imagine doing something and you are not responsible for whether or not it works? Let's do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's carpe diem. Let's go, buddy, because I don't care if it works or not. And obviously we care, but I'm just saying there's a difference in caring and then being condemned by it. There's a difference in it in handcuffing us and finding us in a place where we won't even do it at all because we're not sure it's going to work. Well, what if they... What if they don't want it? What if they're not interested in Jesus? What if they cuss me out? It happens all the time. But that's not what matters. Sharing our faith can be confused. I had this problem in the first service. I, I, I don't remember how to pronounce this word. Uh, so my wife gave it to me in the first service. Sharing our faith can be confused with, see how that works? We just, we're a team, guys. We just work together. I thought about bringing her up on stage. She said it out loud. You can hear it. It's fine. Uh, it, here's what it means. It means converting someone to your way of thinking without taking the time to build a relationship. This is what so many people think sharing their faith is. How can I get you to think like I think and to think that the way you think is stupid? How can I get you to think? If I can get you to think that way, I have converted you to faith. That's not what this is. The goal is not to get you to think the way I think. The goal is to get you to see what is happening in me and in hopes that what's in me gets on you. And now that it's on you, you want what's happening in me. That's what sharing our faith really is. I say it like this. I think we should share our faith the same way we tell somebody about a good meal that we had at a good restaurant. That, that's how I think our faith, I'll, I'll walk you through some examples, okay? Like just what it looks like. When you go somewhere to a night, let's just say you went to a steak restaurant, all right? Let's say you had a really good steak. For all my vegans, you had a really good cauliflower patty, right, that was in the, in the shape of a steak because um, you're cheating on meat. And so, you know, you had, had a great meal, and, and you go back to work the next day, and you walk in. And here's what you don't do. You don't walk in and go, what's your favorite restaurant? And when they tell you their favorite restaurant, you go, that's stupid. You're wrong. Right? Y'all with me? This would be a weird conversation, right? You immediately walk in and you're like, bro, I got to tell you about this meal I had last night. You start talking about it. You're like, man, I was cutting it with the knife and it was like butter and I put it in my mouth and it, I didn't even have to chew. It was so good. You know what I mean? That's how you start talking to people about it. And the meanwhile, your coworkers over there and their hands shaking on the mouse because they're looking at the clock of how long they got till lunch break so they can go try it. You didn't walk in and get them to think the way you think. You didn't get them, you weren't trying to convince them that Chili's isn't better than Applebee's. You just wanted them to know, I had something over here, and it was so good that you have to try it. That's what sharing your faith is. If you notice, you don't even mention the restaurant. What happens? You talk about the food, and what do they ask? What's the name of the restaurant? Where'd you go? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you, right? When we talk about how good God is and how he's changed us, then they want to know, well, what happened? What is it? It's Jesus. Well, where do I find this Jesus? Right? They become interested. Becomes an exciting response. I was telling the first service, I have a good friend that I play pickleball with, and we've been studying the grace of Jesus together for, for years now, actually. 
And it's so funny because when, when we play pickleball together, we'll normally get there, and before we even play pickleball, we, we hadn't caught up in a couple days, and we've both been studying, and we'll walk up, and it'll, the conversation will go like this. I'll walk in to the pickleball court, and I'll go, bro. And he'll go, bro. And then we'll just start talking about the grace study that we had. Because it's just, it's just always like, I got to tell you about it. It's so awesome. It's so exciting. Do you know why people struggle sharing their faith? Is for years, we thought faith was about legalism. We thought faith was about performance. So who wants to share that we're not good enough anyway? Right? But when we find out it's about the grace of Jesus Christ, when we find out that I'm righteous through Jesus, I want to tell you, because no matter how imperfect you are, the solution is Jesus. Jesus never meant for our faith to be reduced to a religious track, even though, listen to me, I'm not bashing tracks. I think they can be great, but I think we miss out on the power when we just leave something and walk away. Versus building relationship and having an opportunity to tell somebody about what God's doing in our life. I think we're able to share something when it comes to our testimony that's so personal and it's so profound that it transcends simple anecdotes. I think there is something about what God's doing in you that has the power to change lives. And here's why. Because the people in your life may not love God, and that's fine but they love you, and they're interested in your life, and they're interested about what's happening in you, and so they will listen when it comes to what's happening inside of you, and the more they hear about it, watch this, and the more they see it. The last message of this series, I'm going to talk about how to be kind, because I think for a lot of us, what starts with our ability to share our testimony is first, have we been kind, right? It's hard to talk about how God's moving in our life when we're jerks. But when, when they've seen change in our life, when they've seen this impact, eventually they want to know. They're, they're, they're curious. Our testimonies are some of the most powerful tools that you and I have for evangelism and for sharing our faith. Think about it like this. When you're trying to tell someone how much Christ loves them and how much Christ has done for them, the best thing we can do is start by sharing how much Christ loves us and how much Christ has done for us. Does that make sense? Before we start trying to tell people how much God loves them and how much God has done and wants to do, let's start by sharing how much we've experienced the love of God and how much he's done for us. Throughout the Bible, there are so many interactions and stories. For example, there's the woman at the well where Jesus meets this woman who has a reputation. And he ends up setting her free. And the Bible says that she turns around and goes back into her, her village, into her town. And she's sharing the gospel. She's sharing what Jesus has done to her. And it says the whole town was amazed. There's another story. I talked about it the night at Men of Valor where Jesus interacts with a man who's demon-possessed on an island. And the Bible says once he's been healed from the demons and the demons have been set free, he goes to get in the boat with Jesus to leave with Jesus. And Jesus says, you can't come with me. You need to stay here with your people. And the Bible says he then goes to the Decapolis, which was 10 cities, and he shares what Jesus had done in his life. And it says that everybody was amazed. The disciples took the same gospel of Jesus after Jesus had died, resurrected, and ascended into heaven. And they went and preached it all over. And the Bible says they turned the world upside down. Listen to me. The same success reason behind the woman at the well and the man with the impure spirit and the disciples post-Christ's ascension was what was happening inside of them. 
It was the change inside of them that was a result of their relationship with Jesus that set something ablaze. When it comes to your business, when it comes to your family, when it comes to your friends, the most powerful interaction that you will ever have in leading them in their faith will not be what you say about theology or about law or even about the Bible. It'll be the testimony to what Jesus has done in your life. Next Sunday, Father's Day, I, I get the opportunity to show you, mixed in with my message, a, a testimony interview with my father. And he lives in Panama City and just some change that's happened to him through Jesus. And he says it in the video, I don't know if you'll catch it, but, but he talks so much all the time to me about how probably the biggest influence in his walk with the Lord has just been my walk with the Lord. You know, I got saved at, I don't know what it was, 17 or so years old. And then there was certainly a journey, and then obviously, as you guys know, Darla and I get into ministry, and now here we are, pastor in Victory Church, and, and he's watched it. He's, he's seen my life. He's seen, you know, just the sacrifice of moving here and trusting God. Like, he's watched it from afar, and our life has become this testimony of God. And I'm just telling you that I don't know that you always understand how powerful just your life is to the people that you're around. Let me say it like this. When it comes to sharing our faith, as a Jesus follower, it's more about transformation than it is transferring information. When it comes to you sharing your faith, it's way more about the transforming that's happening in your life than it is your ability to just transfer information. So what does that look like? How do you, how do you tell your story, right? Like, you know, we've always, like I said, we've always heard it as our testimony. And some of us have like these really you know, crazy testimonies where we were, you know, you know, we were hooked on drugs for 20 years and, and, and then some of us, you know, I've heard people say all the time, like, I don't have much of a testimony. I just kind of always had an easy life. And sometimes I think we get confused on what a testimony is. A testimony isn't always of us being in this horrible place and then God rescued us out of this horrible place. Think about it more like this. It could be, first of all, you just sharing, when did you realize you needed Jesus? And what, what part in your life did you just decide, uh, something's not going, I need Jesus. In that video with my dad, you see him talk about that, just how he just finally hit rock bottom. What did that look like for you? How, how, and then how did he save you? What happened? You put your hands in the air and you said, I'm, I'm done. And then how did God come in and help? And then why, as a result of that, did you commit your life to Jesus? Why do you come to church every Sunday? Why do you make sure your kids go to church? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you pray? And how has that made a difference in your life. That, that's the basic way to share your testimony. Listen to this. I want my life to be so attractive that people who know me but don't know God will want to know God because they know me. Right? I think that should be all of our prayers. That people who know me but don't know God, who have been to church or never been to church, but maybe the perspective of God is off, but they know me. I want them to want to know God because they know me. Listen, we've been radically rescued by Jesus. Have you been radically rescued by Jesus? Huh? Anybody in here been radically rescued by Jesus? Set free? Anybody in here glad that it's not about your performance? Right? Anybody in here glad that we're made righteous by Jesus? that I don't have to go out here and try to be good enough for God, but I'm just saved by the grace and the mercy of Jesus. I'm excited about it. I'm completely forgiven of all my sins. And now I have hope and security of eternity with Jesus. We are blessed 
with all of God's amazing promises and his favor, and we must share our faith. It's my challenge to you as your pastor. I challenge myself, constantly asking myself, when we first moved here and we were planting victory, we had kind of a rule amongst the team that moved here. You had to talk to one person every day because if we didn't have people, we didn't have a church. And it was so funny. We'd talk to people everywhere. I got team members, they were talking to people at Starbucks. Melanie was talking, she was at Starbucks and overheard somebody talking about church and just walked over like, hey, what you talking about? Darla and I would go to Target and just talk to random people. You know what I mean? It's just like, hey, what you doing? There was one night we had gotten home, sat on the couch and realized we had not talked to any strangers that day. We got back up off the couch and went to Target. That's where you find, you know, never mind. Um, <laughs> but... It was, just, it was just a crazy time because when that's on your mind, right, when you're, when you're passionate about sharing your faith, you're looking for the opportunity to do it. Here's a quote I want to share with you. Somebody said, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Isn't that good? I don't know about you, but I'm just a beggar that found bread. I'm just a hopeless person that found hope through Jesus. I'm, I'm a broken person that found healing through Jesus. I was a lost person that was saved through Jesus. I, and there's nothing special. Look, I'm just a beggar that happened to stumble upon some bread, the bread of life. And now I want to tell every other beggar, hey, that's where you find bread. That's where you find bread. Last week I preached about connection and purpose because I believe when you get connected in a church, you find healing. And I preach it because I believe it, because I've experienced it. And it's the same thing with the gospel and our faith. I'm preaching salvation through Jesus, hope in Jesus, restoration in Jesus, redemption in Jesus, because I believe it. I've seen it. I've lived it. And if I love you, I want you to experience it too just makes sense. So the first part is our story. The second part is God's story. One part is the transformation. The other part is the information. So I thought I'd give you just kind of a quick way in case you ever find yourself in a place where you've shared your testimony and now they're asking you what the gospel really is and how do you explain it. I just kind of wanted to give you a, a quick run through of, of kind of the basic way that you could share the gospel. I was talking to a, a family that was after church last week and the husband was talking about how every Friday he has lunch with one of his coworkers because his coworker got a real bad taste of religion in church. And so every Friday he has lunch with him to just kind of slowly help him change his perspective about Jesus. And I, I just thought that was so powerful. And so for those of you that might have an opportunity over lunch or at a family outing or you're going on vacation with some friends and a door opens and you're sharing your testimony now, how do I, how do I share God's story? Four ways. First step is this. You just tell them about God's plan for their life. Just, just start off by giving God the right perspective, that he loves them, cares about them, wants them to find peace, wants them to have a life of abundance, that he's authored their life, that he's the finisher of their faith. Set them up. For somebody who might have been raised their entire life hearing that God is this judgment God, and if they don't do this, and they're all, that's already the wall. Break that wall down by just showing them the love of God. John 3.16 is a great verse. There's so many verses about Christ's love. Just start showing them the fact that, hey, God loves them, okay? But then the second part is this. Now you got to share the problem. And here's the problem. When sin entered into the world, it separated us from God. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That, that is true. That's why we need 
Jesus. That's why we need the gospel. So after you've told them that God loves them, then you say, but the truth is, according to Scripture, that we've been separated from God, right? This is why we need the ministry of reconciliation, because we've been separated from God by sin. It's like, oh, man, that stinks. What do we do about that? Well, don't worry. God took care of it. God's remedy, the cross. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his love for us while we were what? Still sinners. Christ died for us. This, this, I don't know if you've ever seen this illustration where they have kind of like a heel and it's, and it's us, space, and like another heel, and it'll be God, and in this space will say death, and it illustrates us being separated from God. We're here, God's over there, we can't get to God, and then the picture will paint in a cross like a bridge, and it was the cross that was the reconciliation to God. So we couldn't get to God because of sin, but God said, nope, I'm not having it, so he sends Jesus to provide a bridge so that he can reconcile us back to him. That's the gospel. Okay, well now what? Last but not least, it's our response. Receive Jesus. Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no other religion in the world where your salvation and your hope is based off of the death and resurrection of someone else. It's always on our behavior and our behalf and our performance. We were separated from God. Oh, I didn't do anything to be separated from God. Sin separated us from God. God reconciled us to himself through Jesus. And all you've got to do is believe. It's by faith you believe and you shall be saved. Now, there's so much more to it. You and I know there's so much more to having a relationship with Jesus than just salvation. But for so many, the first step is salvation. But that's the message. We take our story of transformation, his story of biblical information, and we put those things together, and we offer them to the people that we love, and they see the transformation in us, and they hear the, the good news of the gospel. And from that interaction, it's possible that they'll now want to receive Jesus. And if they don't, guess what? You planted a seed. I was going through a news app the other day. It was actually a couple weeks ago, and I saw this picture of an article that interested me, so I saved it because I knew at some point the Holy Spirit would want me to use it. I don't know if y'all saw this or even read about this article, but I see the picture, and I start reading the article, and what happened was there was an Olympic event in Budapest, and this was one of the Olympic competitors. She was swimming, and while she was swimming in her competition, she fainted. And when she fainted, she began to sink, and she was drowning. And the coach, who is so obviously you see the young lady who's limp, the coach sees her from the bench and dives into the pool and grabs her and swims her back up, you know, to shore, what you want to say, and they get her resuscitated, and, and she's fine and well. But when I saw this, I thought so many things. I thought, this right here is a picture of us sharing our faith. For so many reasons. Number one, you got the young lady who's swimming. She's just going through life, right? She's going through the chase, everything that happened, and then something goes wrong, and she starts to sink, and she's dying. She's literally dying. And somebody who knows her and loves her is in a safe place, sees her, and then immediately just gets up and jumps in the water. And here's what I love. She didn't stop and go, wait a minute. These are my favorite clothes. She didn't stop and go, let me get my cell phone out of my pocket. Let me get my keys out of my pocket. 
She didn't stop and go, ooh, I wonder if she wants to be saved. She just jumped right in. Because she knew that somebody she loved, if she didn't do something, they were going to die. That's the picture of the gospel, that you and I, listen, let's just jump in, right? At work this week, let's jump in. At some of the family cookouts over this summer, let's jump right in. You don't know my uncle. Jump in. Jump in. With some of your friends that are your rider guys, and you've always said, they're there for me with anything, but I just can't tell them about, jump in. Why? Because you never know. You just never know. And I don't think there's ever going to be a time. Let me ask you this. You think when she got that young lady out of the water and they resuscitated her, do you think there was ever a point where the young lady that was drowning looked over at her coach and said, now why did you do that? Why did you save me? What do you think she said? She probably said, thank you. Sharing our faith has got to be less intimidating and more of a privilege that we get the opportunity to save people. You know why? Here's why. Because at some point, somebody saved us. And I don't know if that's your story, but I'm going to tell you my story. At some point in my life, I was swimming, and I started to drown, and somebody jumped in that water and saved me. And so because somebody saved me, I feel like it's a privilege I get to try to help save anybody else. I was rereading that article this week to get ready, and I saw a part in the article I didn't see before. It said that the young lady was having her best performance yet. She was having her best performance, and then all of a sudden, boom, fainted. started. And I, I couldn't help but go into grace versus legalism. I couldn't help but think there are some people out there, they're, they're performing the best they've ever performed, right? They've got it going good. They've got it going good, but it's without God. And eventually there's going to be a moment where it's too hard and they're going to need saving. And are we sitting there ready? Watch them. And the second they start to go, boom, diving in. I don't care what happens. I don't care if my clothes get wet, my phone gets ruined. I'm jumping in to save them because they might die if not. Amen? Do me a favor. Everybody stand in this room. I want to pray over you, but, but there's two kinds of people in the room. The first kind of person in the room, you need the gospel. It's the first time you've heard the gospel like that. It's the first time you've realized that without Jesus, you are still separated from God. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, it provided that bridge for you. And you need to do what the scripture says. You just need to confess that Jesus is Lord. You need to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth so that you can be saved. If that's you today, in a moment we're going to pray, but I want to encourage you. We took that QR code from the screen and we put it on the chairs in front of you. And if that's you, and at any point today you decide to start following Jesus, I want to encourage you to scan that QR code. It's going to have some next steps processes where we can reach out to you and connect with you and help answer any questions, but if that's you today, after we pray, I want to encourage you to do that at some point before you leave. The second group of people in the room are those of you that you are saved. You accept the gospel, you believe in Christ, but you have this privilege to share what Jesus has done in your life. And I don't think, I really don't think that we don't do it because we're mean or because we don't care for people. I just think often it's intimidating and often life is busy and it's crazy and we look up and it's been three weeks. 
And so I think these kind of moments are cool reminders to bring us back to, hey, who has God put in my life and allowed me to be a connecting link to them, to God? And I just thought it'd be cool to kind of bring us together this morning and pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to kind of reveal some of those names and to really secure that charge in our heart to go after. So would you close your eyes with me? Father, right now, first of all, we pray for any person in this room that's never accepted Jesus as their Savior. And as they're hearing the gospel today, that as the Romans' road to salvation teaches us, Father, that we were separated from you by sin, but that you sent Christ while we were still sinners to die for us, and that bridge gave us the opportunity to be reconciled to you. I pray right now for that person in this room that says, I've been separated from God, but I want to be reconciled. All they have to do, according to your scripture, is to confess that Jesus is Lord and to believe in their heart died and resurrected for their sins. If that's you right now, just say, Jesus, be, be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I understand that I'm a sinner. I want you to forgive me of my sins. I believe in my heart that you died and resurrected. And I want you to be the Lord of my life. It's that easy. The Bible says it's that easy. Now, every person in this room that's already saved, listen to me right now. We're going to take just a couple of seconds. And we're going to ask God to just kind of bring right now to our minds some people that he's put in our life so that we can be connecting links. Come on, would you right now just kind of ask him, however you might do it, just say, Father, would you bring me right now to my mind? Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's somebody you see every day at a hobby. Thank you, Father. Right now, just begin to remind us. Remind us of names, of people. I pray right now for boldness. Come on, would you ask that, God? Give me boldness to be able to share my faith, Father. Help me to be able to share what you've done in my life, the transformation you've done in my life. Help me to learn how to share the gospel, how to share my faith so that I could possibly help other people who might be where I was. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, are you thankful for Jesus in this place? Thank you, Father, for the name above all names. Thank you for a God that saves. Thank you that it's not about my performance, it's not about my righteousness, but it's about Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We lift up your name, Jesus. Help us to share your faith. Help us to walk our faith out. Be with us and help us be one that can continue to share the gospel, the good news with those around us. Come on, let's worship Jesus.